Let's have a sincere conversation about events across the nation and topics for our own morality. Let's openly discuss in an environment of trust where perception is reality. Hello, everybody. Welcome to your favorite podcast and mine, Perception is Reality, where we talk about how we all perceive things differently and that helps form our reality. On today's show, I have my new friend, and as you all know, because you've listened to the show forever now, that everybody who's on the show is automatically my BFF for life. Uh, in this case, it's Gareth Grafferty. Gareth, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. I am, and I say this a lot in every episode, so everybody's going to be like, oh, God, David's going to say the word excited. But I am excited to have you on the show because I posted something on Instagram and you replied, um, which I am thankful for. And then I was like, hey, that was a really thoughtful reply. You should be on the show. Uh, I believe that you said perception is everything. And I was like, that's a guy who gets it. He needs <laughs> to be on the show. And you... Uh, I don't know what went through your mind, but obviously we made it to this point. So you've realized that I'm not some sort of crazed internet stalker, which is great. So I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, so thank you for being on the show today. So that's how we know each other. And uh, this, this one for the audience listening, this is one of those episodes where uh, literally few exchanges on Instagram um, and in the green room, I just explained to Gareth that I was going to hit the record button and that the topic was his and I was going to introduce him very quick quick conversation so yep. this is uh, one of those complete strangers so Gareth what do you what 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 should, what, what should we discuss today well today a common misconception about me is that I'm just a teenager and the I don't have a work ethic and well, there's lots of conceptions about teenagers, but today's topic, one thing that people don't see about me when I'm walking down the street is that I've actually been in foster care since I was three years old and now I'm 20 and I've come out of the foster care system. So that's the topic of today. That uh, just, just so you know, I do take notes so I can pay attention. It's how I have, learn to perfect my active listening. And that's for everybody that has listened um, to the show. I do take notes and things. So this is an excellent topic. And, and I'm not just saying that to, to um, lull you into a false sense of security. I really sincerely have wanted to talk with somebody about several topics. One is foster care. Uh, one is, uh, I love to talk about race, racial relations. Another one is um, politics. I like to figure out why people are so polarized. Uh, I mean, I, I like to talk to people about anxiety, learning disabilities, things that there might be, you know, that I don't feel like we talk enough about. So yeah, definitely. This, is, this is one of them. And uh, again, this is a full disclosure podcast. So something that I would like you to know is that at 20, I'm several years older than you. Um, and one at one point in time my beautiful wife and i were we had a foster child wow and we sincerely wanted to uh, adopt her and she would be 
we were young at the time. So we were in our early 20s. We weren't much older than you, actually. Uh, we were 22 and 23, maybe. At the yeah. time, uh, we decided to uh, take her in. Um, so she was eight. So that was, what's, Gareth, I, I don't like to do math in public, but since you're young and smart, um, what's, uh, let's just say she's probably, she would probably be 30 by now. Yeah. So we did have her for a little while. So I do have some experience uh, with the system and from the United States perspective. Yeah. But I'm curious, can you, like what specifically would you like people to know or what are the common, what, what are the misperceptions that we'd like to dispel here? Well, there's so, there's so, so many. Since my time being in foster care, the one thing I've tried to position myself as is being really open about being in foster care because the normal child, if you want to put it that way, the, the average person that's just grown up with either two parents or one parent, say, doesn't have that perspective and doesn't always know what foster care is and what's the difference between foster care and adoption. And there used to be a TV show. I don't know whether it aired in America but it was called Tracy Beaker. Does that ring a bell? Does not. And, and just so also full disclosure podcast, my wife and I love to watch um, our two of our, we love to watch uh, shows from the UK and Australia. So, but I've never seen Tracy Beaker. So Tracy Beaker was basically like a home, which was quite a big building and it had a lot of foster children that, were waiting to get fostered by families and so many people ask me questions about that tv show so if i don't know whether you have any of your audience in the uk but if they do i'm sure they're smiling right now and remember that tv show from a while ago i i do um i'm i feel fortunate and i, and I do sincerely mean this to everybody listening that i do have audience in outside of uh the States. I have an audience in Canada and the United Kingdom, um, South Africa, uh, Australia, New Zealand. Those are the bigger countries. I do have other countries that listen. So if I didn't mention you, I know that I have some listeners in Spain. Um, I have listeners in Mexico. Um, but anyway, I digress. But yes, so all of the all of our friends from the United Kingdom are smiling right now because they probably do recognize that show. So when people ask you about that, do they, where do you think they're coming from? Is it, do they want to learn? Are you feeling like they're setting you up for some sort of um, empathetic or sympathy party or? Uh, I mean, I think it really depends on your perception, ironically. And I think a lot of people have questions because they just don't know, but because it's quite a sensitive topic because, well, I'm not with my parents. So automatically, um, it becomes quite a scary topic to bring up. And that's why I think people don't ask me as much questions as what they would like to, but I'm really open about that. And I want to share that information. And so I think going back to your point, I think that, the whole reason people ask me questions is to try and find out whether 
well, one, what it's like, and just to make themselves a bit more knowledgeable on the subject, because I don't really see many people talking about it on the news. And well, I haven't really fully met anyone that just talks about it openly. So, yeah. And is that from either being on as a foster or somebody who works with in that, um, I wanted to call it, I don't know, I don't have a good word for it, but I'll just call it industry. Uh, you can correct me with the right adjective, but uh, somebody who's in that care, that they've made that their career. Um, or is it, uh, I lost my train of thought because I was so stuck on trying to find the right word. This is, this is the kind of thing you're in for on this podcast, Gareth. I will, it's unedited like I warned you about. Uh, Completely fine. And and I and I do like if you were if you were a human with a laser pointer, I would definitely be a cat and follow the ball the, the ball. See, I even just messed that up. But anyway, I digress. So people ask because they want to learn, and they're not talking about it. Why do you perceive they're not talking about it? Again, I I think it goes back to that point about it's quite a sensitive topic. I mean, it's similar to mental health issues that. Only now are we starting to talk about it more. And I think in the future, people will talk about foster care a lot more. But I know there's a lot of people that are in the UK and don't really have much knowledge on it. And it's something that probably for about the past five years, I was working with my local government and I've done quite a few public speaking events, talking to younger people and also talking to adults as well about what being in foster care is like and what it entails and all of the fun bits, but also the not so fun bits and just educating people. So uh, back to the point, I think it's all about the fact that it's quite a sensitive topic to talk about. And that's mm -hmm. probably why people haven't talked about it more. That's fair. That's fair. So one, when you so many things running through my head so let me let me see if i can get them all out. Um, when you're working with people i'm just going to be very very vague right now because you said you do speaking engagements and you said that you work with the government but, but for some reason when you were speaking i got the strong impression that you were also setting yourself up maybe as a mentorish type role for children in the system. I don't know where I got that from, but I totally just, that just came to me. Tell me if I'm wrong or. Yeah. So kind of over probably the past two years, I've been doing events with children. I do prefer public speaking to adults. Um, I don't know why it's just, I can tell that they're engaged a lot more and I can read their cues a lot more. I think it is whilst I'm presenting. But last year I had a presentation in front of 400 people and most of them were children that were in care. It was a celebratory event. And I said at the end, if you want to contact me, here's all my details. And I put all of my social media, my phone number and my email up there. And I had about three kids come up to me and say that they really enjoyed it. And that was really, really nice because it wasn't forced by their foster carers or whoever they were with. It was out of their own 
will and it just felt really nice for them to come up to me and so I think in a way I am but I know for my personal self the thing I'm working on at the moment is like my personal development but also I'm creating my own company at the moment I've launched it two weeks ago um, so I'm focusing a lot on business at the moment and I'm trying to shift my public speaking into the area of digital and social media marketing. Excellent. Excellent. Well, at, um, don't let me forget to let everybody know all about that at the end. Cause this is a, uh, I, I am not sponsored. This is a hobby for me. Um, I feel like for some reason I'm doing a public service, uh, with, uh, having these conversations that maybe other people don't want to have or talking about issues that maybe people aren't talking about. So I won't uh, take advertising, but that does not mean that I will not shamelessly promote anything that my guests have, but also I do want to make sure your message gets out. So let's just say that now let's, let's get that over with. Why don't you tell people, let's talk about your company for a moment. And then I promise to circle back to the real topic, but I want people to know how to find you. Um, what you're, what you're up to and anything you'd like to promote. Go ahead. Sure. So two weeks ago, Thursday upcoming. And so tomorrow, two weeks tomorrow, um, was since I launched my company, my company focuses on giving people a voice and amplifying that voice because I felt that going through the foster care system, I always used to notice in my classes and actually in society that you'll see the main group of people which are technically like the populars, if you want to call them that. Mm -hmm. And then you always had a few stray people that maybe spoke to the populars, but weren't, I don't know, good enough or just didn't feel comfortable in being in their group. And so maybe they ate their lunch by themselves. Maybe they sat by themselves in class um, sat at the back, sat at the front, just anywhere where that group wasn't. And I've realized over the past few years that, I've always not really gone to the populars. I've always been on the outside, but for my own mental health, I was always okay with that because I've always felt like I didn't really need to fit in. After a certain point of my life, I did anyways. I did go through a phase where I really cared what people think, but now I've kind of come out the other side of that. And I realized even at university that the people that don't have a voice sometimes don't get heard. And so I was in a position in university last year where I got to really hone in on what those people were saying, which was really, really great. And so I based my company around this. The things that we do, we help people have their voice and amplify their voice through allowing them to speak their truth, just like how you are right now on this podcast and how I am too. And so how, how we do that, we do that through helping people produce, manage and market their podcasts because podcasting is part of social media and part of tech. And I really, really love tech. I remember the first time I played on a Game Boy, which was back when I was a child. I'm still a child, but get <laughs> I, I'm, I'm 48, Gareth. I still have a Game Boy. I have several Game Boys. That's, Boys awesome. that, that's where it all began for me. And so my company is called newfoundmedia.co. And then if you have any questions about anything that we talk about on this podcast or questions about my company, whatever, you can contact me on Twitter, which is at Gareth G Rafferty. 
And that handle is also the same on Instagram or LinkedIn, which is Gareth Rafferty or um, YouTube. I do my own vlogs again, Gareth Rafferty. And if you want to listen to my podcast every week, I'm documenting my journey. That's called building from the bottom. There we go. <laughs> I like that. I, I like that name. Building from uh, the bottom. Yeah, it's yeah. all about my journey as a student starting a company, never really started a company before and just documenting my journey, some of the problems and the things that I struggle with. And I started that last year before, like as soon as the idea popped into my head, I thought I'll start a podcast on this because you see big entrepreneurs talking about their journey and what they used to do, but you don't see them whilst they're doing it. And so that's what I want to promote on my podcast. That's excellent. You might like uh, episode four. This is my friend, uh, Dean Parker, and it's his path to success. And uh, he's quite a su successful uh, entrepreneur in, here in the States. And yeah. he talks about a lot of the things uh, that he went through, trials and tribulations. Um, that, would, that might, I'm just, I'm not trying to self-promote too much, but I am trying to promote Dean because Dean on that episode, uh, he likes to ask the question, what would happen if? So if I may use you as an example, like if Dean was you and you were thinking about starting your business and the question would come up, well, what would happen if I started this business? And then he yeah. would answer that question and then here we are. Uh, he would be, you know, potentially you run starting this business off and, and going. Um, so he's got a pretty decent message and uh, he's going to be writing a book. So... Uh, when he does that, I'll be helping him uh, bring it back on the show and promote that. So these are awesome things that you're doing, by the way. Um, yeah. And I will say that I'm just going to, and I, I will say strong statements just to make a point um, to try to get conversation going. But if I'm going to just go by like little orphan Annie or, you know, by the way, that was a comic and a TV show way, 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 way before you were born <laughs> about somebody who was orphaned and put in, in uh, what was back then foster care. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you probably know the character, but I'm, you know, I just had to tease you a little bit about your age. Uh, <laughs> but um, see, I totally forgot now because I got embarrassed about teasing you about your age. But anyway, uh the perception is already, I think maybe a perception is that, you know, Annie made it out. She was adopted by the rich person and she couldn't make it out on her own unless Daddy Warbucks came and adopted her and saved her. But the other kids in the, in the orphanage, uh, you know, they were all still there struggling away. Um, yeah. And their only hope in life was to be adopted by the rich family. But I yeah. think that, and that's just a media and story produced perception that maybe people have, maybe they don't have. Again, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I'm just saying you right now totally dispelled that because you were in foster and look at you, you're a successful university student and entrepreneur already. So you didn't need somebody to come and, and I'm doing air quotes, save you. You're, you're quite capable and smart and you saved yourself, so to speak, is yeah that's kind of like um i've just remembered what you're talking about about annie um they just well fairly recently produced 
a new version of it, didn't they? I think. Um, yeah. So that's actually quite similar to Tricebeaker because all of them are in this care home. There's a bunch of young people that are waiting to get fostered with a, a really nice family. And sometimes they go off to a really nice family, but then it turns out the family is not so nice and they end up back there and they call this place the dumping ground. And that just tells you what the perception is about children in care. And so to completely dispel the myth in the UK, especially we don't really have those care homes anymore where it's just a bunch of young people most people get put into a family like environment and occasionally people get adopted my younger brothers so i have two younger brothers and i have an older sister my older sister so i was the first one to go into foster care she later joined me and then my two brothers are currently in foster care with the same foster carer um, so that they are together, which is really, really nice. And I think foster care is really good because it takes you out of that sometimes hostile environment, but there is some people that don't have that same perception and they are either full of anger or sadness and they wonder. And for me, I kind of realized quite early that that wasn't the right position to be in. So sometimes I wonder, but I'll just ask the question. But then at the moment, like I know quite a few people that have been in foster care and they're coming out of it and they are independent by living by themselves, but they don't feel like they can cope by themselves and they still have all that stress and anxiety from what's happened to them in the past. Well, I, I think we all have, uh, if I may just say baggage from our past and childhood that we all have to cope through. And I'm not trying to equate myself. I did not go through this um, by saying like the baggage that I have was any more burdensome uh, than somebody who went through foster care. Um, but I can understand, I guess my point is I can understand how when they came out uh, that they might still have some issues to contend with how do you what would what's your advice to help them work through those issues because you're very i mean you're quite grounded if i may say so i mean i again perception this is my perception from talking with you right now is yeah. that you're quite a grounded uh person right so how would you help how what's your suggestion to those people to help themselves work through these issues so for me, I had to start by accepting that it's okay to be different and you don't always have to follow everyone and be a sheep because like I had a foster carer, but then I moved and I moved again and again and again until I was about 13. And then I stuck with that foster carer until I was 17 and I had my bad parts. So I'll quickly talk through some of those. I was probably about, how old would I have been? Oh, I was a young child. And as most young children do, they play with toys. And once I annoyed the foster carer, I don't have any idea how I annoyed them. But I still have this memory in my head that I remember running up the stairs and onto my bunk bed, 
Um, I don't know whether it's the same name in... It is. Yeah. So I remember running upstairs, running up my bunk bed onto the top bunk, and my sister was underneath, and I was sobbing, tears everywhere, and the foster mom came in, grabbed these massive boots, kind of like knee-high boots, and then stamped on all my toys. And as a young child, if someone breaks your toys, it's really, really painful. And just little things as simple as that. So for me, that made me different. But I always saw that as a bad thing until one day I realized that it wasn't. And I accepted that I was in foster care. And I did that quite early. And the way that I did that was by telling everyone as soon as I met them pretty much that I was in foster care and just got it out of the way so that if they had any questions, I'd tell them I'm completely open and I'd put it out there. And then some people initially didn't ask questions. They thought it was just a front to try and act brave. But then after a while they realized and quite a few people have come back to me and asked me a few questions, which I really, really like. And so I'd start by one accepting and then two, being open about it. I mean, you don't have to go around and tell everyone like I did, but just be okay in yourself that you've gone through bad things. But the way that I accept it is that it may seem like for me that I went through loads of bad things because I was in foster care and the stereotype around that is that it's really, really bad. But, and some of the things I went through, I know people that wouldn't be able to go through that but they went through their own things in their life that may have seemed just as bad, if not worse. And so I think it's all about perspective. And for me, I see me being in foster care as a positive thing, because if I hadn't gone through all of the bad things, such as my dad dying when, well, in 2010, and I was, if I would have been about 12. My dad died when I was 12, and I had one day off school, and then I went there the next day. I think things like that where I've been through those bad things and my mom's walked out and not really been there to support me or my siblings. I think it's really important for me as part of my life journey. And if I hadn't gone through all of that, I wouldn't be as resilient as what I am today. And so if you're feeling a bit negative towards foster care or you've been through something that's bad, whether that's foster care or whether that's something else, I would definitely say try and change your perspective because some things may seem really bad, but they've actually had a positive impact. So I wouldn't have got all of the public speaking gigs that I've got and I wouldn't have won some of the awards I've previously won if I hadn't been in foster care. So yeah, I think it's all about that perce- perception and that's something that I'm really big on. Hmm. That, yeah. that, that makes a lot of sense. Um... Sorry, I, just, I, like, I like the way that you, uh, sorry, what'd you, sorry. I've just gave you guys lots of information. No, no, that's great. That That's good information that, that um, I think can be very helpful. Uh, you know, everybody's different. So it's nice to hear how you went through it. And it's nice to know that um, there's other kids or other adults out there that have went through this and, you know, talking about, I think my perception is that we don't talk about a lot of things um, as yes. much as we should, which is why 
you know, one of the reasons that I started the podcast, but, you know, I don't know that uh, everybody needs to walk around like uh, little Gareth and just, you know, hi, my name's Gareth. I was in foster care. But I do think that the way that you owned it and, you know, you, you made it the best that, that for you and that worked and hopefully it, it helps other people. I mean, definitely you're quite an interesting, uh, an interesting person, the way that you've turned all this around. And I can think of several friends that were not in foster care that have had parents break their toys because they were annoying. Um, or, you know, somebody's parents who would literally throw their toys away if they didn't pick them up. So bad things happen inside yeah. and outside of foster care. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, just because I was in foster care doesn't mean that one of the other kids in my class that wasn't in foster care hadn't gone through similar things than what I had been through. It's just kind of a label, really, isn't it? I think so. And that's one of the points that I like to try to make with the podcast is that we're all really the same. Um, I, don't, I mean, we as human beings, I find, like to label people by... Um, you know, it can be as simple as skin color, hair color. Uh, it can be, oh, you're, you were a foster, or you were, um, you know, the rich kid uh, or one of the populars. Um, you know, it's easy to label. And I'm still trying to understand. I mean, I understand some of the science behind it, but in, in, my, in my mind, I don't understand the classification system that we oppose upon other people. Um, but I mean, I, there are there is some science behind it. I won't get into it. But in in my mind, I don't understand. Um, and I have, I know somebody else uh, who's similar to to you, and she's maybe a little bit older, probably twenty four, twenty five. Yeah. And she actually, she's quite an interesting young woman. And she was the person that I've been trying to get to come on the show and talk about this. So when you brought this up, that's why I was so excited. Um, She's not been, she wants to talk about it, but she's not really uh, had the courage to fully go through with it yet. But she, at a young age, she was maybe eight or nine. That's when she, uh, maybe even younger, uh, I forget. But she was put in foster care over here in the States and somewhere around the age of nine or 10, she was able to go back home. Her mother was deemed, I don't know what the right word is, but fit or Mm. stable enough for them, for her and her siblings. She's got several siblings, I think five um, to go back home. And she assessed at her young age, and this is what I, I love about this this young woman, is that at her young age she was she she assessed the situation and said, No, thank you. I'm better off in foster care. Wow. Her siblings went back and she didn't. She she stayed in foster care and she's quite successful now. Uh, very similar to you, just she's maybe got four years on you. So she's doing everything that you're doing. Um, She started uh, her own business. She's successful. She's, she talks about 
her specific niche is that she likes to mentor young girls in foster care like herself and, and um, which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to see that. I, I mean, my perception is that, you know, it's just heartwarming for me is that you two are, are like, look, this, this, I was in foster care. That doesn't make me a mutant. Um, I'm still breathe oxygen like you guys do. I still have blood in my veins. I'm still a human being. I learned, I went to school, went to university. I'm launching a business. These are the same things that everybody else does. I'm a normal human being. And I, I love that there's that because there's no, if I may use a bold word, there's no stigma to being in foster care. It, it, it's just, it, it is another way to grow up. Maybe it's not as privileged as somebody who like me, who grew up with their parents. Um, but who knows, maybe one of your fosters was quite loving to you and, and helped shape you, or maybe they weren't like the person who stomped on your toys, but there's still lessons to be learned there. Yeah. And you, you were open to learning them. Yeah. I mean, I still saw my parents until m my dad passed away in 2010. And then soon after that, um, my mom got married and then I haven't really spoke to her since and I don't really want to. Um, so that's been probably about nearly nine years now since I spoke to my mom and I'm completely fine without her. But then I, I often wonder whether I carry a burden and whether I should reach out to her or whether I shouldn't. And I, I just wonder what, what would happen if I reached out to her because I know her backstory because I dug into it and I just wonder. Well, I think that's a personal journey that you'll take. And I think that when, when I, if I may, um, when you understand fully what you want to take away from reaching out to her, then that will be the time that you're, ready to reach out to her yeah until, until then there's no real purpose it's curiosity which is an okay reason in and of itself but when you figure out what you really want out of that and potentially out of the relationship um because she's she's biological family and with biologicals and even non-biologicals, because I have a lot of people that I consider family uh, yeah. that are not my blood relatives. They, uh, you know, each, you, you can have a good relationship or a toxic relationship. They're still, so it's still a form of a relationship uh, and you can choose not to be part of that or you can choose to be part of it. That's the wonderful thing about life is that you get to make your own decision and choices. And I, I, my, my humble opinion uh, or is, is that when you figure out what you want out of it, yeah, that, then it, that will happen. And you may decide that, you know what? I just don't, I just don't need to. And that's a perfectly okay decision. There's no, I mean, don't feel pressure to have a relationship <laughs> because you're related to somebody. Yeah. I, I think I, I, well, I was definitely always closer to my dad. I used to see them. Um, I think it was every two weekends and I used to go to the house and then once a month, 
me and my sister would sleep there for one night. I think it was Saturday through Sunday. And it's just crazy. We used to go shopping in this really, really small town. And my dad always used to sit in the car while my mom went and did the shopping. And at that time, my brothers were a lot younger. They were babies at the time. And my sister used to go with my mom and I always used to, well, the majority of the time I used to stay in the car with my dad and we just used to chat. And only now have I realized that quite of what I'm about at the moment and like what my business is about and some of my core values, a few weeks ago, actually, I went quite deep into my core values and what drives me as a person because it's something I love to know about people. And I realized that probably at the very core is my dad. And he had such a big impact because my dad was a lot older than my mom. And when I say a lot older, I mean about 30 years older. Mm. And my, my dad, when he died, he was in his sixties and he, he was probably slightly crazy. He used to see fairies at the bottom of the garden, but I, I can link myself to parts of him and, things that he said and just how he treated me and I can link what I'm doing now to that which I find pretty crazy that like well when I last saw him it was nine years ago well it, probably 10 years ago really um and it, I find it just crazy because 10 years ago I would have been about 10 mm -hmm. and to actually take things from when I was 10 or younger and apply them when I'm 20 is pretty darn good. Well, that's, that's incredible. Uh, people, and, and I commend you for this, people, this is my perception of what I call gen pop or general populations. They don't do those introspection moments to figure out what's at the root of anything. It uh, could be an issue, could be something good, could be whatever, but there's no reflection uh, we just drone on forward so it's there's yeah. a lot that we take with us that we don't really understand from childhood Definitely. and as a child by nature we are sponges we absorb everything in ways that uh, there's a, a TV show on in the states uh, there was called limitless and you basically take a pill yeah, and it might have yeah. been, you know, and, and it opens up your brain cognitivity, and and you can just you absorb things almost in a childlike state, and you're building neural yeah. connections. So, um, as children, that's I mean that show duplicates really what it's like growing up. So I mean you're you are constantly absorbing those things, and it's amazing to go back and associate that as as most people don't even start that journey until they're my age, which is. 20 years plus your senior. So I commend you for being on that journey and understanding that now. Um, in my mind, that shows quite a bit of maturity and, and insight, which is highly commendable. Um, and I think more people should, should figure out. I don't think people ask this themselves why enough. Like, why do I feel this way? Um, I talk about this on a different episode is that when, um, people are going through a very strong emotion that they don't, first of all, they need to give themselves permission. It's, it's okay to have this emotion. People don't understand that, you know, I'm angry. Okay. Well, 
if you fight the anger or the depression or the anxiety, it just makes it worse. You know, yeah. accept it and then try to why, ask yourself why. Well, you know, I stubbed my toe on the nightstand and it really hurt. Okay, well, anybody in that same situation would be quite angry and probably yelling a lot of uh, not nice words. So, you know, it's that process and, and you're going through that. You're like, okay, well, I'm starting this business. Why am I doing this? And you're asking the whys. Yeah. And you're getting the I, answers. I actually sat down one day. It was actually probably about a month and a half ago. And I, this was when I was in the planning stage of my company. And I asked myself, why am I starting this company? And so I wrote a few things down and then I went into it and I was like, but why, why that thing? So it, I think it was, I love tech. And I was like, but why do I love tech? And then why that? And then why? And then I went in, I think it was seven different layers until I got to the real cause. And it took me about an hour to do. And it was, it's, it's really good. And it's something I've been on probably the last three years because I realized I was just coming, I was just about to reach 18 and I wanted to know more about why I was actually in foster care and why it all began because I know little bits that people have told me, but I wondered if there was anything missing. And so I did a bit of research and I asked the council if they had my file. Well, the council is like our local government. Mm -hmm. and so they gave me a part of it and I read through it and it just felt good. And so I always kind of felt like I needed to just go away to a random country by myself and just have time to just figure myself out. And since I've been in Madrid, I think I've definitely done that on reflection over the past five months. So for those of you that don't know, I've been in Madrid since January the 14th. I'm leaving on May the 31st to go back to the UK. I've been here studying, but also to figure myself out and start my company. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're on the right track. Um, yeah. It's been a really good process. So what, what can we do as adults to help misspell or, or, or defeat any negative perceptions or just learn instead of, or just learn about the foster system? Well, Learning about the foster system is quite difficult because there's not really like a huge database to go and look unless, or unless you're wanting to look into foster care or become a foster carer, then you wouldn't really search for it. Um, but in regards to like dispelling some of the myths, just remember that at the end of the day, a person is a person and it's just like walking in a coffee shop and buying a coffee. The person that hands you the coffee, one day they might be really angry, the next day they might have a huge smile. You don't know what's caused them to be angry or happy. They could have broke up with their partner or, as you said, they could have stubbed their toe on the nightstand. You don't really know. So you don't really know what's going on behind the faces you see whilst you're walking down the street. And just remembering that, if someone shows negativity towards you or is angry what seems like they're angry at you a lot of the time it's just misdirected from something else that's happened previously in their day so just remembering that 
that those are good points. Uh, and if I may add to that is that if you're that person um, that's walking down the street and you run into that angry person in line at the coffee shop or wherever that's having the bad days, don't absorb their negative feelings. They're yeah. like, like you just said, they're misdirected and they might land on your shoulders because you're the person that they're angrily staring at or they're telling you to, you know, you're holding the cue up or whatever, you know, just, you don't need to absorb their negativity. Let them have their bad day. You continue on with your day. And, and, and it's easier said than done, but it, if you practice that and just learn to let it go, uh, it's very helpful. Uh, and um, I still struggle with that as I've gotten old to now and in my ripe old age, uh, <laughs> I, I've gotten a little better at it, but it's, and I don't want anybody to think that it's easy, but it, it's helpful that when I'm able to acknowledge those things, um, would you recommend anybody become a carer? Yes, but I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say it's for everyone. Um, and I don't think I could say a particular person, like particular characters, just if you feel like doing it, then find out the information and go for it, I suppose. What would you say to anybody who is thinking about being a carer and, and I because it's, it's, it, it can't be, it's it, not everything in life is all sunshine and roses. For, for example, uh, something as simple as planting a garden outside, uh, you still have to care for it. Some of the plants might wither, some might thrive. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's not an easy thing. So I can't imagine. And, and, and I, I'm, Naively asking, I do have, like I, I warned you in the beginning, I did have a foster daughter. So I, yeah. I do have some experience there. But I want to know from your perspective as being uh, the foster child, you know, what, what would you warn people um, about? Yeah, so I kind of have a few points on this. So the first thing, if you woke up one morning and said you're going to become a carer, do not submit your forms the same day. Make sure, wait, well, wait a week, wait a month to make sure it's something that you definitely want to do because it's a lot harder to give a person back than it is to give food back at a restaurant. It's, it's, not, a tran, it's not like a transaction. It's someone's life. So you really have to make sure that it's what you want to do. And... I'll definitely leave it a few days to make sure it's what you want to do. Don't think about it and then come uh, and then come back to it a month later and see whether it is what you want to do. The second thing I would speak to your partner, your brother, your sister, your grandparents, whoever you're living with and ask if they are okay with it too, because a child would be coming into your household and they would obviously be part of it if they're in the household. And yeah, I, I would sit yourself down and have a discussion and make sure that, yeah, it's definitely what you, what you want to do. I, I think some people go into f fostering kids and being carers for young people because of the money. And it's definitely not an industry that you're going for the money. Um, it's it's someone's life and if you're going in it for the money then 
turn around and pick another industry because it's not the industry that you want to go in for money. It's people's lives that you're trying to change. Well, I think the people that go in it for the money and, and, and my, my wife and I have seen, seen that there there's people that do go in it for the money, the more kids, the more money, but those people aren't in it to change lives and make a difference. Um, they're in it to change their life and that's not the right reason to go into it, uh, at all. Um, yeah. And we, and you know, we, this is something when we did it, um, we talked about it for quite a while um, before we, we did it. So I, I agree with everything that you said. Can you let people know what it's like? Um, because you're, you're right. It's not like you're taking, uh, and like you said, you, you, you equated it to like a food order, like, Oh, this, my, my, um, fill in the blank, my hamburgers, not, uh, done to the right temperature. Uh, yeah. Send it back. You know, you have a, a child and it's, what is that like if you're that child? Can you let, can, do you mind letting us know, like, what's it like if you go into a, you get a new foster care and you get sent back? Like, what's, what's that like? Because I, I think people need to understand the ramifications of these decisions. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, I've been to multiple different foster carers. I've bounced around a lot. Um, I even, when I was a kid, I went with an Indian family and they got me and my sister to sit down every day and write out of a book, a page to neat in our handwriting. And my handwriting still isn't neat to this day. And at one time they locked me outside until I did it. And this is at 10 PM with young little Gareth in his pajamas writing out a page on a bench <laughs> it's not fun but yeah i think it's just as a child's point of view if you go into a foster placement you stay there for a day or a week and so i'll tell you a little story which i've told a lot of people the first night being in foster care whether it's your first foster carer or whether it's your 15th. It's really difficult. It's not too bad in the day when you arrive, you say hello, you have a drink, you might eat your dinner, but that nighttime and the next morning is when it becomes different, difficult. When you wake up in the middle of the night at 3am and you're in a complete stranger's house and you wake up and you need the toilet, the question that pops to mind, am I allowed to leave my bedroom at 3 a.m. to go to the toilet? Second thing, when I flush the chain of the toilet, when I flush the toilet, what if I wake them up and they're really mad and they hit me or they attack me? And then in, in the morning when the sun comes up, you wonder to yourself, am I allowed out of bed or do they have to come and collect me? And then if you do end up making that decision to get out of bed and go downstairs, are you allowed to help, help yourself to breakfast? Are you allowed to help yourself to snacks? Are you allowed to sit on the sofa and turn on your TV? And those decisions seem extremely simple before a child in a stranger's house. That's like the hardest decision you've ever had to face. And also if 
as we've previously mentioned, you decide that this child isn't right for you and you want to send them back, that child may often think to themselves, once they've left, when they're in the car driving to their next foster carer, they will think to themselves, well, did I do something wrong? Am I just a bad person? Does nobody love me? And will the next one be the same? But is this, is this my life now? People don't like me. And it can have a massive impact on their mental health, not just of that day when they're getting moved, but long-term as well. It can impact the way that they form relationships. I used to have a lot of problems forming relationships and I still do. I'm not the best at forming relationships. Um, I'm very... I'm I'm a very individual person and yeah, it can have a massive impact on being able to form those relationships and I can't remember the word I'm looking for. So I'm going to leave it at that. No, that that's fine. And, and uh, may I just say that it's nice to hear that somebody such as young and smart as you is at a loss for words and can't think of the word just like this old guy over here. So uh, you you just made me feel better just because of that alone. Um, but I don't want that to take away from what you've just shared with us because these are things that are highly important. And these are things that people don't consciously think of because when you've got this new uh, little human being that is in need in your house, I mean, you don't think of like, okay, here's the script. Gareth, yeah. look, if you need to go potty in the middle of the night, here's, here's the, the bathroom, uh, the washroom. Um, feel free to go. When you wake up in the morning, turn the telly on or go have some, you know, pet the dog. Let the, if you're up before us, let the dog out, you know, stuff, stuff like that. These are things that I think yeah. people don't understand. Um, yeah, those things are really important. And especially as an adult where – just something as simple as going downstairs and making breakfast or letting the dog out is routine to you. It's often overlooked, but it's really, really important if you've got a young person coming into your household. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just I, you do, cause you don't think about it. So some of us that, that didn't go through this are most of us that are listening, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. But for me personally is that uh, when I would be invited over a friend's house, now I'm just thinking back, obviously, 900 years, because that was like at least a 1,000 years ago for me, being invited on a sleepover with a, with a good friend. Um, you know, you don't know what to expect there. Yeah. And you're all, you, you know that you're there for a night. You know that, you know, you've, you may have even met this person's parents in the past. So you kind of know what to expect, but still, there's quite a bit of anxiety about what to do. Now, yeah. taking that one step further you're a foster child in a system going to a complete stranger's home who you've never met. You don't know how long you're going to be there. Yeah. You don't know, you, you really don't know what you're going to get. You could get the most lovely person who has the greatest intentions and literally wants to be a good mentor and be a good home and try to provide what they perceive the, the, the foster child needs, you know, that's why they went into it with all the great intentions, or you could end up in one of those homes with somebody who just sees dollar signs, you know, above your head as you're walking in the door. Yeah. 
And being a foster care, well, a foster carer, it's more than just going to work every day. It's a 24 hour job, seven days a week. On Christmas day, you don't get the day off. You don't get the day off on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. It's every second of every day. And you, you can't go home at 5 p.m. That's, that's it. It's, it's 24 hours every second of every day of the week. You never know when this person is going to need you. And yeah, it's, it's just remarkable how many people think as soon as the kid's in bed, that's fine. I get my, my time, but actually they might need you in the middle of the night when they're having nightmares. I, I know I've been in that situation where I've had nightmares and I've needed those people. And luckily I felt comfortable enough to go downstairs or knock on their bedroom door to find out where these people were. And yeah, it, it can be really scary because it's a complete stranger's house. You don't fully know that person. You've probably met them for a few hours and you're in their house. It's, you, you don't know how the person's going to react if you bump into them in the middle of the night or you knock on their bedroom door. You don't, you just don't know. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Stressful. Yeah, That's definitely. Incredible amount of stress to place on such a young human being. I mean, and you fought 40 hours a week and having your boss on your shoulders was hard. <laughs> well, I mean, most people do think that, that a 40 hour work week um, is quite stressful and I don't want to take away from that. And, you know, there's always somebody that's, that's going to be shouting orders at you, but to be a child in a stranger's home, just not knowing. I mean, think about, and I just want everybody that's listening to think about suspense. Um, think about the anticipation. It's Christmas Day, and you are ready to open those presents. Just think about the amount of anticipation and suspense that you're going through. What are in those boxes? Now magnify that infinitely. <laughs> you're a child. It's not Christmas Day. It's not a good event. You're being moved to a home, which, which, if, is it safe for me to say that if you're moving from one foster care to another foster care, um, that it's not a good situation. It's usually something has happened that's necessitated the move. Yeah. So it's already not a good situation. And now you're going into an unknown situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's literally what it's like. And it's, it can often be a lot worse if, the child hasn't had previous foster carers because if they're coming from their parents and they don't know why they've had to leave their parents, all of that anger, all of that anxiousness gets multiplied by 10 and then put on the foster carers. Exactly. Um, oh, I'm saying exactly like I've been there. Well, I mean, I kind of have, uh, actually I have been there. That's what happened with us. Yeah. Um, and it just, it was similar to, I would just call it a meltdown. Yeah. And, you know, uh, fortunately, even at the young age of being three or four years older than you at the time, um, my wife and I, both of our backgrounds are, are in the social sciences. So we were more equipped than others to deal with the breakdowns. Yeah. But at the end of the day, um, 
our foster daughter, uh, she chose to leave because she knew that we wanted to head down the adoption route with her. Yeah. She, she did not want that. She was determined to go back to her mother. Yeah. Who made quite a bit of promises. Oh, you will be here. You will, you know, like there were very specific and uh, tangible promises that were being made, but could nowhere ever be fulfilled. Yeah, that often happens because, especially from a child's point of view, whether your parent has left you in the middle of the street, whether your parent has left you at home for three days with no food, that person is still your parent, whether that's your father or your mother. Mm -hmm. And even as you're growing up, they can throw so much bad things at you. And I know so many people where this has happened, they've had so many bad things happen to them from their parents. But when they're 18, that's the first place that they go. And it's crazy because if anybody else gave them that amount of bad things, I know that these young people would just cut them off completely. Hmm. It's absolutely crazy. It completely baffles me. Well, we, um, we actually end up losing, lost track of her. Uh, we've moved around a lot across from, we're fortunate enough where both of us like to travel and do new things. And by doing travel and new things, I mean, we literally will pick a dart, throw a dart at the map, and hey, let's move there and we'll go. Um, yeah. And uh, way back when the earth cooled, when we had our foster daughter, we didn't have like social media and stuff like that, like you do now to keep up with her. So we've definitely lost track, but she chose to go back into the system because she knew at her young age, she knew that if it was adoption, it was permanent and she would never, she would lose her she would lose her anchor to her, her mom. Yeah. And she just wasn't willing to do that. And we weren't willing to force it. We were not going to, to force the issue, but, um, I, yeah. I understand what you're saying. Um, I, I do. A similar thing happened to my brothers and because my brothers are quite a lot younger. Um, I've always been, a little bit protective over them and what happens with them in foster care. And I always like to make sure that the foster carers are okay. And because I know the people that give them the foster carers, it's a lot easier for me to keep track and make sure everything's okay. And they were going to be adopted, but I don't think that they're processing it anymore. But I was a little bit anxious myself because I knew that the people were really nice people. I knew that they had their best interests at heart but it was just that aspect that they're no longer going to be my brothers. They're going to be part of that family. And it was like that transaction of me losing them, which I wasn't too keen on, but I knew it would probably be better for them. But then they're not in, they're still in foster care with those people, but they haven't been adopted. Why? But, Can I just ask why? They're always going to be your brothers. And I'm a, it sounds to me like you're closer with them. Like you see them, do you still, you know, you see them, or you're in their life at least, right? Yeah, I, when I'm in the UK, 
um, depending on where I'm located. If I'm located near them, then we usually meet once a month and my sister's still in that local area. So my sister and them, they still meet up usually about once a month. So if they were adopted by this family, how does that make them any less your brothers? Why wouldn't you be able to see them? I, don't get me wrong. I completely want you to know that I'm not diminishing the anxiety that you are feeling. And I actually understand, but I just want to know, like, if we process that, why would, why would you perceive that they wouldn't be your brothers anymore? Uh, and maybe that relationship would be lost. I, I, I... My brothers at the time were probably about 10 and 13 um, that, and I knew that whenever we used to, well, whenever we meet up at my sister's apartment, which is usually where we meet up, I, I get on with them really well, but my brother's got to the point with that family now where he's changed his last name on Facebook to match theirs because, well, he wants to feel like he fits in with that family, but also I don't think he fully wants people to know that he was in foster care. And I don't think he's as comfortable to talk about it, which I, I completely understand. Everyone's different, mm -hmm. but I think it's the process of adoption. Like the actual definition of it is basically that they don't really keep in touch with their main family and they are now part of this family. They are, basically like they were born into that family and they have legal rights over the kids that adults do mm -hmm. and legal rights over my brothers is completely fine. But the, the woman that does it and I know my brothers as well. Um, at the moment, if it was up to them to see me and my sister and if they had to make their own way and they get told that they would have a taxi paid for, but it was up to them to schedule it. I don't think I'd see them because they're kind of at that point in life where family isn't cool, if you know what I mean. So like yeah. They're, yeah. they're both teenagers and to hang around with your family is absurd. It's not cool. You want to hang with your friends at the park and grab a chocolate and ice cream. You don't want to be with your family. I mean, <laughs> it's just not cool, is it? And no. I think they would slowly slip away it wouldn't happen overnight we would still see them but then instead of it being monthly it would be every two months and then every three months and then once a year on christmas and then well god knows what will happen 20 years down the line and he's forgot my name <laughs> you don't know well that's that's fair those that's so what you're saying is by them staying in the system so to speak, that you still have, it's easier to maintain those monthly visits. Yeah, and they still have their social worker to make sure that they're getting those monthly visits. Uh, okay, so there were, those constraints would be lifted and then they would just resume the life of a normal teenager. Yeah, which isn't always a bad thing. And it's it's kind of me stepping up as an older brother because my sister's technically the eldest, but I'm, and I don't mean this in a bad way in case on the off chance my sister listens to podcasts, but I'm a lot more emotionally stable and a lot more mature than 
the rest of my siblings. I think I was born at a good time to get all the information and process it. And if I was born a year earlier or a year later, then I wouldn't have processed it the same way I have. And yeah, it's like my sister got a truckload of like bad things happen. I got a truckload, but then my brothers haven't got as much. So they're kind of in a good position. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just me stepping up as a brother because my sister's only two years older than me. And I've been with her through her whole foster carer journey and like the whole process of being in foster care. And we've had ridiculous arguments, but I still see myself as the person that's supposed to look after them. Mm -hmm. Other family, right? Yeah. And if, but, if you don't look out for them, who else is going to? Yeah. And I just, I made an assumption there. So I hope, I mean, that's just what I'm interpreting that you're saying. Yeah. I think it's also because I'm the eldest male. So automatically it's my duty and it seems very old fashioned, but it's just how it feels. Well, I mean, if, if you don't, who's going to? Yeah. No, that's understandable. Um, so I really appreciate the journey that you've taken me on today and hopefully I've helped you get your message out and what you're trying to accomplish. And yeah, uh, we've had a great discussion, uh, I think. And I'm not trying to cut it short because as everybody knows, like I will continue <laughs> to discuss things for a long time. Um, but we are approaching an, an, uh, the hour mark. So what I'd like to do now is just to make sure I want to make sure that your expectations coming into this podcast were achieved. Um, if I've done, I'd like to know if I've not done a good job of helping you get your message out or helping you approach this topic in a way, like now's your chance to say, David, we, sh I wanted to talk about this and, you know, through the conversation it didn't come up. No, I don't really, I don't, I don't really think that, I had any expectation coming into this. It was just like, that's the, the one thing I love about podcasts, especially with guests. It's just wherever it ends up. And mm -hmm. I love talking about my journey. And the reason I love that is because it basically, just seeing the emotion and it really resonates with people because they might not have been in foster care, but they understand a lot more and they have that background now and that's why I love sharing it and so just having this platform to share my story with people and make people more knowledgeable is just amazing so I just want to say a huge thank you for having me oh I, I want to thank you for for coming on uh, and talking about this this was one of those topics that I really did want to talk about and yeah I mean I this is one of those shows where I almost wish that the podcast wasn't unprepared, unscripted. Um, and I, it will, my podcast will always be unedited because people need to understand that through conver conversations are messy. They yeah. happen. Um, but that's okay. And that's okay. Uh, but knowing like this was going to be the topic, I don't know. I almost wish like I was prepared and, 
and I hope people enjoy the conversation. I enjoyed talking with you. And again, it was really more just a conversation between us uh, and, and we're letting people in on that. Uh, yeah. And I don't even know, like just saying that, I don't even know what I would have prepared and talked to you about, <laughs> you know, but I'm just saying like, you know, I could have, I feel like in, in my heart right now, I feel like I'm, I'm desperately hoping that I've done you justice and we've talked about this topic. And just because I've talked about this topic, doesn't mean that I can't talk with you, Gareth, or somebody else about it in their journey. And maybe mm -hmm. somebody's a foster parent out there uh, or foster care. And they're like, okay, well, here's my journey. You know, let's, let's continue the conversation as always. Let's continue the conversation. And uh, if anybody would like to do that with me, you can reach me at uh, country code 1-585-210-0240. Zero two four zero. You can text or leave me a voicemail. I will get back to you. Uh, messaging and data rates might apply. You know, so text wisely. Um, you know, safe texting out there, people. Safe texting. <laughs> um, and if you want to reach me by via email, it's uh, pirpodcast at gmail.com and my handle is uh, at PIR podcast for all social media, quite frankly. Uh, <laughs> PIR stands for perception is reality in case anybody was like, what's that stand for? But I don't think anybody would. Um, and Gareth, remind us, you're at, uh, at Gareth G. Rafferty uh, yeah. on all social media and people can reach out to you. And um, so it's at Gareth G. Rafferty on Twitter and Instagram. And then on LinkedIn and YouTube, it's just my name, Gareth Rafferty. And then my podcast is Building from the Bottom. And your website is? Um, what for my business? It's yeah. newfoundmedia.co. Exactly. So everybody, that's how you can find Gareth and reach out to him uh, for assistance. If you want to support his business, I highly recommend you do that. But if you are somebody, uh, a young adult or a young, young person that's in uh, foster and want a little advice from uh, Uncle Gareth, give him a call. Yeah, uh, I'll talk about anything, literally. Absolutely, help you through. Um, so I really appreciate the time today and everybody knows how to get a hold of us. And I don't really have a good exit out of the podcast, so I'll just say thank you again for your time and thanks everybody for listening. Thank you. Mm -hmm.